Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Overline Sports Layup Line. I'm one of your co-hosts, Nathan Kennedy, joined by my co-host, Nolan Russell, and our inaugural guest, Braden Zahn. So you guys are going to be listening today to our draft preview. We're considering Braden our draft expert. Uh, we brought him in for his expert analysis for him to kind of go back and forth with Nolan because I'm I'm as invested as I can be, and I'm probably familiar with the first round, and beyond that, I'm not too familiar. So these guys will do more of the heavy lifting past that, but... I guess without further ado, I guess we'll jump in. Where would you guys want to get started? Do you want to just talk about the, the top of the draft class? Because we got a, quite a few uh, heavy hitters this year. So, Yeah, we do. Yeah. We don't need to talk about much about the top four. Well, top three, because we, we kind of know who's going one, two, three. But I feel like after the fifth and sixth picks, it gets a little interesting. Yeah, I agree. So, well, we can uh, each give our thoughts on Cunningham, Green, Mobley, and I guess Suggs will throw them in there. So, what are what are your thoughts on on those four, Braden? I think the Pistons are, are dumb if they don't take Gate Cunningham. I've seen lots of rumors about the Rockets wanting to trade up, giving away their whole future for him. I feel like Jalen Green is can be just as good as Cade. Cade is obviously bigger. He's a better passer, um, better defender as well. But Jalen Green's ceiling as a scorer is just insane so what, what do you think about that the, kind of the, the green and cunningham debate in general i'm a little bit higher on green than than most people seem to be i think it's kind of become a, a one-way train i guess if you will that that kate is the clear number one but for me they're they're pretty neck and neck i i also have kate as my number one but i think there's a, a very real case for Jalen green here i think he's the best scorer in the draft class i think players of his mold were you got absurd athleticism with elite shot making potential, good ball handling skills already. To me, he projects as a Zach Levine type player with potentially even higher upside. Uh, he has incredible like work ethic and mentality. I remember listening to an interview like by Jarrett Jack, who was one of his teammates on the the G League Ignite this year, like NBA veteran. He said that Jalen Green was kind of the the main guy he took under his wing. First day of practice, Green kind of approached him and was looking to improve stuff, watch film and all this. So apparently Green has an incredible work ethic. And that to me is really intriguing. He lists Kobe as like, as a men, like as someone that he aspires to be, which is obviously a huge ambition, <laughs> huge goal to try to, to reach Kobe level, but there's definitely similarities in their game. So Jalen Green to me is someone that has a lot of upside, great work ethic, great skill already, um, superb athlete. So I think he's a very, very strong number two and just about any other year, he'd probably be number one. Yeah, it uh, this class is extremely, I don't want to say top heavy because it is a very deep draft nonetheless, but the first four to six picks you could argue is some of the best that we've seen recently. Jalen Green is a guy that I've watched straight out of high school. I mean, he was one of the first guys that I've watched on overtime, hoop mixtape, stuff like that. He's probably one of the most unique athletic specimens I've seen in a long time. His ability to create his own shot combined with his jumping out of the gym ability, I mean, there aren't many players at his age that possess that offensive firepower, especially going forward to be able to go into an NBA weight room and be able to work with world-class trainers to kind of advance his game to the next level. He's probably the player that I would hope most out of this top three to slip down to the Raptors because I don't see Cade Cunningham dropping out of the top three in really any single way. But I would also be interested to see how it would shake out if uh, this projecting, as we've talked about, the Rockets end up trying to trade up to get Cade. I would, I'd be really interested to see what that package looks like. I wonder how much of a sweetener they'd have to add to move up one pick to be able to take Cade. I think it would probably take a second, if not an NBA vet with a low contract. What, what about you guys? What do you guys think about that? It's interesting because apparently the Pistons, they actually have a lot of people in their front office that prefer Jalen Green. I've heard reports of that. 
those are the kind of the two guys that they're debating between. And it's obvious that they're going to take Cade if, if they are there at number one. But I don't think they'd be that opposed to trading down if, if there's a, a good Swedener there. So if Houston is like dead set on trying to get Cade, I think definitely in the realm of possibility that they could, you know, maybe throw in a first round pick. And I don't know who else they'd really include in, in a trade to kind of sweeten the deal. But I, I don't think it's out of the question that they could make a trade there to swap picks. Yeah, I think that if you're the Pistons and you're Troy Weaver, the GM of the Pistons, I think you ask for anything. See how desperate the Rockets are to, to find their next superstar. So if they're, if they're that willing to, to move up one spot, then try your best to get as much assets as you can, whether it's picks down the line or, or someone like Eric Gordon, for example. I think that would be interesting. Yeah, there are a few guys, just looking at their roster again, there are definitely a few guys that you could definitely uh, target as a little bit of a sweetener, as Nolan said in this deal. A guy that kind of jumps out at me who has a lot of potential, who I don't think they would have that much stock value in, in terms of keeping him around for the possibility of getting Cade, would be a guy like Kenya Martin Jr. Um, He's one of the more promising young guys, a bit overshadowed by the potential of Kevin Porter Jr., Deshaun Tate, in my opinion. But he's definitely a guy that I feel like could be probably just enough amount of a sweetener to kind of entice him into making a deal like that. But I guess just moving out of the top two, I mean, going out of the kind of consensus best big man in the class, we have Evan Mobley. He's a freak. He's a complete freak athlete. He's probably one of the best combo combo big men I've seen in a long time. He His impact on both sides of the ball is re- very reminiscent of a guy like Rudy Gobert. He does provide a lot more offensive upside, I will say. But he's going to be a perfect fit really wherever he goes. I feel like if he ends up going to the Cavs, which is where he's projected at three, um, that's really going to jumpstart their franchise, especially alongside the other the other young guys that they have, like Colin Sexton. He's going to be a great franchise centerpiece. There's really not, not much else to say. I mean, he's arguably the perfect offensive mold of a big man, or sorry, just build of a big man you could want in the modern era of the NBA. Yeah, I think defensively he's incredible. Like not just from his size and his wingspan and ability to block shots and all that. He has really great IQ on that end, very good with his timing on switches and things of that nature. And he's he's actually a solid perimeter defender. Obviously, his wingspan helps in that regard, but he's very smooth with his uh, footwork and can contain ball handlers on the perimeter. So I think he offers a lot of versatility on the defensive end and should probably be the best defensive prospect in this draft, although there's actually quite a few that are really good. So we'll get into those later on. But Mobley, to me, is another guy that in a different draft class, he he could be a number one pick. Like he's, he's very good. And the fact that he's kind of fallen to my number three, isn't really a knock on him. It's more just the fact that I'm in love with the top two guys in this draft. Uh, I think all three of these guys would have been number one on my board. If it was last year, I had Anthony Edwards, number one on my board last year. And and I like all three of these guys more than I liked him coming out of college. So I definitely don't want to sweep Mobley under the rug. He's an incredible prospect as well. Very underrated as a passer has some upside as a ball handler as well. So even offensively, I really like his game, but defensively, he's just a monster. With Mobley, I think the one thing that teams really like about him is his versatility, just his, his ability to, to guard multiple positions. And I think a lot of teams looking at him when he comes out into the NBA as someone who can be a four and a five. So say you wanted to play him alongside Jared Allen if you're Cleveland. I think that's him that could work in the front court. So I think that would be really valuable to teams. I'm a little bit wary always of like taking big men over – elite guards and wings when you're picking that high in the in the draft. I think Mobley's going to be a great player, but they take a little bit longer to develop. And for example, Raptors fans are hell-bent on getting a center for the future. But I feel like all you need for that kind of team is someone who can be in the dunker spot, play good defense, stuff like that. I feel like Ken Birch, someone like that, fits that role. So it, it'll be interesting to see how 
they look at this draft and see if they want to move up to try and trade for Mobley. I agree. I feel like the Raptors should be content if Mobley gets taken and they should be fine with getting Suggs here. I think there's a lot of interesting center prospects that it should be available in the second round if, if that's an option that they really want to take. I, I look at a guy like Charles Bassey or, or Nemus Keita. I think those are guys that kind of fill that exact role you just mentioned of just kind of sitting in the dunker spot, uh, rim runner, rebounder, shot blocker, just, you know, a, a connector kind of guy that plays his role reasonably well. I, I don't think that they necessarily need someone like Mobley, but obviously if he falls to them at four, then you got to take him. I think he's, he's a top three prospect in this draft for sure. In my eyes. Yeah. I no debating that. I don't think, I think if the Raptors were to choose to stray away from more so the prototypical big man that they would need, I feel like a prospect, like Isaiah Todd in the second round would be really interesting too. He's definitely a guy who provides a lot of versatility, very athletic for his size, play alongside Green on the G League Ignite. But he's he's a guy that I've watched for a while as well, and I really like his game, and I feel like he's going to transition well to the pros. He is much like Mobley. I don't want to say Mobley's undersized at 215, but I think with the 10 to 20 pounds of pro weight that that inevitably him and uh, Isaiah Todd would have to put on uh, to kind of contend down low, even though Mobley does have a lot of uh, length, I feel like that would go a long way. And I feel like Todd with that kind of additional weight would be huge. But if, if he ends up going to the Raptors or if the Raptors end up kind of keeping an eye on him in the second round, I feel like that'd be a good fit as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So I guess we should get into Jalen Suggs a little bit as well here because we've kind of been avoiding him so far. So, Braden, what's your thoughts on Suggs? I think he's the next Kyle Lowry, honestly. He's a high IQ player. He's a leader. Glad Gonzaga to an almost perfect season. He's a great passer, has great playmaking ability. He can get to the rim. He's an okay shooter. He can hit tough shots. I just feel like he's like a tough point guard for any team, and I feel like he could fit the Raptors perfectly. You could have issues with maybe Gary Trent Jr. will have to come off the bench because Fred fits with him perfectly. Fred's more of a shooting guard in my eyes. He can he can run a team, but not to the point that you would like. He's more better as a, as, a, as a two who can hit open shots and get open. So I like Suggs with the Raptors. I feel like he'd have a, a great future. He'd be the, the one of the building blocks for like 10 years to come. But I'm really liking Scotty Barnes more as, a, as we get closer to the draft. And we can get in, into him later. But, yeah, that's my, kind of my thoughts about Dylan Suggs. How about you? I think the Lowry comparison is kind of interesting in terms of their high IQ playmaking defense. There's definitely some similarities there. Suggs is definitely bigger, which is, is one thing he kind of has going for him. I think defensively, he's got a lot of upside, though. Lowry was a good defender kind of in a, in a different way than a traditional good defender. He was just very smart and takes charges and does stuff like that. But Suggs is kind of a little bit different as someone that offers a lot of versatility on that end and is really good at stripping the ball and is just tenacious. I also think he's just a lot more athletic than Kyle Lowry. Kind of at times he reminds me almost of Westbrook and like Derrick Rose and just in terms of his ability to slash to the rim. He's not quite the same sort of prospect as them. I I don't think he has as high of a ceiling, but just in that one regard, his ability to slash to the rim and and finish at the rim is is very interesting. To me, he's the clear number four. I I think the other three are all sort of in a tier of their own, whereas he's more of a, just a very, very good prospect. But I think the the upside with the other three is a lot higher, but I really like Suggs a lot too. And I think he'd be a good fit with the Raptors. Yeah, I think he would be a great fit as well. A lot of what was talked about with him coming out of college is how selfless he is as a leader. He was a lot of times sacrificing shots for the greater, greater good of the team, which is, I mean, as an organization, you kind of want to value, especially with a young guy coming in, being able to not be like, I'm the star coming in immediately wanting all the spotlight. So 
a guy like that who you can insert and kind of just be a big gel guy off the jump and allow for his development to kind of speak for itself and allow him to find his place in the league I feel like that'd be that'd be the kind of thing that the Raptors would want also for being 6'4 he's 205 which is amazing big strong guard he'll be able to attack screens I noticed that a lot with him in college he's not a guy who really just allows switches he's a guy who really likes to fight through screens so I mean much like Lowry very tenacious defender although he did defend a very different way I do like Suggs game a lot he is an elite level athlete as uh as mentioned before he's was a two-sport athlete for a long time before committing to basketball no surprise he has that kind of athletic ability that'll transition seamlessly into the nba again scotty burns does interest me though i mean it's not often that you get an elite wing player like that who can come in and make an impact early i don't know if he impresses me enough to take him at four i think as as you said nolan i think suggs would be my four as well but i think the raptors definitely if if for whatever reason they were to move down and be able to get Scotty Barnes and get something in addition, I wouldn't be upset about that either. Yeah, I have Barnes as uh, number five on my board, and I, I like Barnes a lot as well. I think he'd be a good fit for the Raptors. I just think there's there's a little bit of a, a gap between Suggs and Barnes for me. I think Suggs has a lot higher floor, and their ceiling is is fairly comparable. So I just like Suggs more as a prospect. I think he's a safer pick, but... I don't, I, I don't mind the idea of the Raptors taking a shot on Barnes if they really like him. I just think the fact that he can't really shoot all that well right now, I have some concerns about how he's going to fit in offensively. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Draymond Green, and Ben Simmons is another comparison he gets a lot. I think he's sim- more similar to Draymond personally, but he's obviously an incredible defender. I'm just I'm not sold on his offensive package at the moment, so that's a little bit of a concern for me, but I think he's a, a great prospect as well. The one thing with, with Barnes is that He's not as NBA ready as Suggs. And Bobby Webster has always said that they're going to take best player available regardless of team fit, right? So I think with Barnes, he's obviously also a very high IQ player. Um, he has great length, versatility, can defend multiple positions. And just at six foot nine, it's hard to find that playmaker who can who can play anywhere on the floor, right? So I feel like if the Raptors can bring back Gary Trent, draft Barnes, have him come off the bench, have OG and Pascal in the front in the front court with Weber center. Just give him time to develop. I feel like he would turn into a great player. I kind of see a lot of Pascal Siakam and OG in Scotty Barnes. I, I don't know. He just feels like a Raptors prospect. I feel like they always like those wings over any other prospects. So, and this may be a hot take. I, I see some Giannis in him at some times. It's just that guy who can run the floor, be a, a great playmaker as well, and get to the rim. But I like him. I see it. Honestly, he does kind of remind me of like second year Giannis Antetokounmpo, but Giannis kind of just had the most absurd like rise in just every aspect of his game. And I just, it's kind of, I don't think that's something you can rely on happening with any other prospect ever. Like it's just such a incredible, I don't even know how to describe like what Giannis entered the league as and what is, what he has become. Like nobody kind of really saw that coming. He was a high upside prospect, but not to this extent, really. No one expected him to just put on the kind of weight that he did and just become an absolute monster. But I definitely see some similarities between Barnes and, and Giannis, and I think the upside is is very intriguing with Barnes for sure. To be fair, Messiah Jury very badly wanted Giannis. So he saw that before anybody else. So if he sees that in Scotty Barnes, then obviously all Raptors fans trust Messiah's judgment 100%. So I would not be surprised if they took him at four or even moved back with, say, the Magic if they really wanted a point guard or if the Thunder really wanted subs, I could see it happening. So we've kind of gone over the top five here. I'm just looking at ESPN's big board right now, and it's it's quite a bit different than mine, but we'll just go with 
who they have in, as the remaining guys in their top 10. So I'm just going to name them out. And I want to hear your thoughts on who you think is the best of this group, who you think might be a little bit overrated. So the, the remaining guys they have in their top 10 are Jonathan Kaminga, Davion Mitchell, James Booknight, Keon Johnson, and Franz Wagner. So Nate, of, of that group, who do you like the most? In terms of fit for more teams, I think James Booknight makes a lot of sense. A lot of people are saying that he'd be a gamble at six for the Thunder, whereas I think he would fit actually really well with SGA. He actually has really high star potential in my mind. He's got, um, he's a very good jump shooter. I feel like he'd be able to space the floor well for that team. And I mean, with SGA coming back, as I said, it would be, it would be a good combo. He'd most likely be coming off the bench off the jump since Dort's kind of solidified himself in the uh, in the starting lineup, at least going into next season in my eyes. But I think James Booknight provides a lot for a team. I think... There is a little bit of a there's a little bit of an injury contingency going into his draft. He had a little bit of a bit of a fall off near the end of his year this year, but I don't think it hurt his stock too much. He has the ability to come in and kind of take the weight off of a young Thunder team early. Um, he'll be a good second unit guy off the jump. Uh, he's also a really good shot creator with SGA being able to kind of dictate pace, um, at least in the half court. I think he'd be really good off the ball. But he, he impressed me a lot. I think I don't think he falls really past eight or nine in my eyes. So I think he's probably the most ready out of those five, in my opinion. Yeah, to me, Book Knight is like the prototype of what you want as a sixth man. He kind of has some questionable shot selection at times, a little bit ball dominant and not the greatest defender or playmaker. So to me, he, he just doesn't really strike me as someone that you want as a as a starter guy incorporated with the other stars a lot of the time but he's someone that you can kind of just have run the offense off the bench sort of he really reminds me a lot of jordan clarkson actually that, that to me is the closest comparison for him and i, I see a, a very good six man potential out of book night what do you think about that Braden? building off what you guys have been saying i've seen a lot of book night to the thunder rumors but when they was talking about i find that really interesting just because the Thunder are in a unique spot where they kind of need younger players. I know that Book Knight's still young, but he'll be 21 before next season starts. So obviously they know you know the talent they can get, but I feel like they would be better off taking more of those high upside guys, like to say uh, if Jonathan Kaminga falls at six or if they can get Keon Johnson, someone like that. I feel like Book Knight would fit them well, but it's just an interesting kind of thing. Yeah, I like the idea of them taking Kaminga a lot more. To me, he's he's the best guy out of this group here. I actually personally have someone else above him that ESPN has at number 16 right now. So I have Moses Moody as number six on my board. They have him at 16. And I'm a lot higher on Moody than seemingly everyone. I just think someone uh, that shoots the ball as well as he does and defends as well as he does is always going to be, at the very least, a really good role player. And I think he has very good upside as a playmaker and shot creator. Reminds me a lot of Chris Middleton. I think worst case scenario, you get like a Michael Bridges, Robert Covington type of player out of him. And I think that's a very high level role player. To me, he's he's very underrated in this draft. But out of the guys that ESPN has in this group, I think Kaminga is, is the best prospect. Someone that just has a lot of upside. One of the youngest guys in the draft. Only picked up basketball fairly recently. He's only been playing for a few years. So still very raw, but just an elite athlete. And the growth that we've already seen from him in just a limited amount of time really intrigues me. So... To me, he's he's the best out of that group there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Kaminga has one of the highest upsides in the draft, just his length and versatility. He obviously wasn't a fantastic defender in the G League, but just I feel like that potential he has is what teams are looking at. Obviously, he can get to the rim. People are worried about his uh, his shot IQ and his, his uh, efficiency. Obviously, he shot like 38% from the field and 24 from three. It's like he has good mechanics. I feel like they can a, a team like the Raptors could could develop him. Um, 
I see a lot of Paul George in him. I'm a, I'm a huge Paul George fan, so that's kind of probably why I'm more drawn to him. But the other prospect I wanted to talk about is Davion Mitchell. I feel like he's one of my favorite players in this draft. Before the Raptors got the fourth pick, I wanted them to take him at seven. I feel like he would pit, fit the uh, the Warriors perfectly, just a high IQ passer, can maybe come off the bench behind Curry, can get to the rim. He's super fast. He can hit his three. He shot like 44% at Baylor of the season. He's a champion. He's a leader. So I really like him as a prospect as well. Yeah, Davion Mitchell to me is is one of the more intriguing prospects in this draft. He's someone that that kind of was a little bit underwhelming first coming into college. He's made great strides in his game, though, over that time. To me, he, he might be the best defensive guard in the whole draft. He's undersized, but it doesn't matter because he has a great wingspan and his hustle and his IQ on that end is unmatched. Um, they, Baylor played Oklahoma State a few times, and they would put Mitchell on Cade Cunningham, and Cade's about eight inches taller than him. Mitchell just completely locked him down. So he's, he's a really intriguing defender to me. He's basically like a shorter Drew Holiday. That's what I see out of him. And I think he has some upside offensively too, both as a shot creator and just his ball handling is kind of underrated. His passing is kind of underrated. So I really like him a lot. The concerns are the fact that he's, he's an older prospect, kind of debatable how much room he has to grow from here. He's never been a great shooter until this season. I mean, even this season, he still wasn't good from the free throw line. So there, there are concerns that it could have just kind of been a fluky that he just randomly got a lot better as a three-point shooter. But I don't know. I think the form is there, and I think uh, there's a lot to build on. He shot a lot of threes this year at a high rate. So I think that's a good sign for him moving forward. So I like Mitchell a lot as well. Yeah, I feel like he can come into the league and be one of the best perimeter defenders. I, I see a lot of like a Patrick Beverly in him, but at a higher stock. I yeah, Patrick Beverly, Lou Patrick Dort, Beverly. Marcus Smart, all the, all those guys kind of – he's definitely, definitely similar. Holiday, uh, comparison as well. But you mentioned the age. Obviously, he'll be 23 by the time next season starts. So I feel like for the Warriors who are, who are trying to win now and need that kind of player off the bench, um, he would be perfect there. So that's why I kind of like that fit. Yeah, I agree. I think he, he'd fit really nicely next to Curry because his, because of his defense and the fact that he can kind of shoot off ball as well. So I, I think he'd be a great fit for the Warriors. Yeah, I'm. I guess that kind of rounds out our top for the our talk for the top ten. Is there anyone that you see? I would say ten through fifteen, ten through twenty that you maybe see slipping a bit higher in the draft. I would say in like the top nine, top seven range. A lot, honestly. <laughs> I think this is an incredible draft class, and I also I'm not really in love with ESPN's big board here. Um, it seems like a lot of people have different big boards, so I think that kind of just shows how great this draft class is because you could really go about 20 players deep and, and make a case for any of them falling into the top 10 here. Some of the guys that stand out to me are, are Moses Moody, as I already mentioned. Corey Kispert, just one of the best three-point shooters uh, ever as a prospect. Like, this guy just can shoot lights out. He's basically just a newer version of Joe Harris. Um, he's big enough to hold his own defensively without being terrible, especially because he's very smart on that end, so shouldn't be an issue, really. Alperin June is another guy that I really like. Kind of reminds me of DeBont Sabonis. Aside from that, like, there's really a lot of guys that, that could make a rise here, but those, those are the main three that stand out to me. 
the two biggest for me are two guys who are a bit younger, but went, went a bit under the radar for a bit. Uh, one of them is Kai Jones, big man out of Texas. He has a lot of potential, and I feel like a team like the Kings maybe bite, maybe bite the bullet with him at nine because they are, I don't want to say they're in need of a big man. They do have a few a few young big men, but I feel like Kai is the kind of guy that can come in and immediately bolster a team. He's a great lob threat, protects the paint, can knock down jumpers. Also, for his size, 6'11", 220, he's actually extremely athletic. So he's a guy that you could put alongside a guy like De'Aaron Fox in the pick and roll. And I feel like he'd excel in that role. Um, they have him slotted in right now at 11, uh, the big board that I'm looking at right now, who would actually be a really good fit considering LaMelo Ball is a big lob guy as well. And then the other one besides that, Josh Giddy uh, from Australia. He is an extremely polarizing talent, only 18 years old, six foot eight, 205 pounds. I think he's he's been getting a lot of recent attention from a lot of NBA scouts. He, I think he popped up in Vegas a few weeks ago and a bunch of the executives went down there. He... He reminds me a lot of uh, of Chris Paul. He's a lot of like basically just floor general tendencies. He he can be a heavy ball handler if he wants. He's probably got one of the highest IQs and highest like guard ceilings, I think, in the draft for sure, considering how young he is and his potential. But he's got great feel for the game. He's a great passer, has very high IQ. I feel like he'd be a really good complimentary player for another kind of primary playmaker so to speak if that makes sense a guy a guy like gary harris jumping off uh, the back of jamal murray kind of but i feel like he has a lot of room to grow in the league and i feel like he definitely has a potential to sneak into the top 10 for me i really like jalen johnson people are concerned about him leaving duke mid-season i don't think that's big of a deal i feel like james wiseman left memphis mid-season he went second overall so i feel like jalen johnson has a potential to be a, a point forward someone who can get to the rim I don't think he's a great shooter, but he can improve. And I feel like he would fit really well with, with the Kings. He's also a pretty good defender. I'm a Michigan fan, so I watched Franz Wagner quite a bit. Obviously, the brother of Moritz Wagner. He is a six foot nine shooting guard, small forward. He can hit threes. He's a great defender. He can rim protect. He can play perimeter defense. He can score. So I, those are the time, two guys that I really like. I hope they can go in the top ten. I feel like Wagner would fit really well with the Pelicans. Just that someone who can who can score and play great defense because they're obviously not a great defensive team. So you guys both just mentioned a lot of the prospects that I'm really high on. Uh, guys that I have personally higher on my big board than ESPN does. Uh, I like all those guys a lot. Kai Jones, you mentioned Nate. I think Sacramento is definitely a potential landing spot for him. He's someone that really intrigues me with his upside. We've seen like glimpses of really great plays from him, but there's also like a lot that needs to a lot that needs to be uh, worked on with him. So. He's someone that I think is a, a riskier pick, but I think the upside is really intriguing with him. Franz is kind of the exact opposite. I think Franz has one of the best floors in the draft. Someone that's going to immediately come in, be a good defender. Actually, like he's an incredible defender, like just in terms of his intelligence, his positioning. Very underrated athlete too. Has a huge wingspan, great passer, great IQ. The shooting is like not perfect at the moment, but there's flashes of him being at least competent on that. And kind of reminds me of like, Nick Batum or like Kyle Anderson, just someone that's going to come in and be a really great role player. And I think he has the upside to be even higher, like, like a debt left shrimp for an Andre Karolanko. So borderline all-star player if, if he reaches his ceiling. So he's someone that I, I'm really high on as well. Okay. I, I don't know where really where we want to go from here. If we want to maybe talk about the latter half of the first round, maybe 15 through 20, we could either rhyme through it or maybe just talk about maybe our favorites through 15 through 30 or 15 through 20 for now. Sure. I'm just going to keep going based on the, the ESPN's uh, 15 through 30 then see what they got here. Yeah. I like a lot of guys in this draft, man. This, this draft is so much better than last year's in my opinion. It's um, extremely deep. 
so deep yeah like jt thor they have at 20 28 on their board i think i have him at like 21 on mine i think he's he's a super underrated prospect trey murphy the third they have higher than a lot of people do and i i'm also very high on him just someone that can shoot the ball really well high iq player good defender so i like him a lot trey man's another one i really like a lot just someone that can create his own shot and good playmaker Zaire Williams from Stanford is another really interesting one. Like he kind of had a lot of, a lot of things go against him this year in terms of like Stanford more than any team kind of got hit really bad by COVID. He also had some, some family like issues going on, just a lot of stuff that are going to mess with you mentally, I think. So I think it was, it wasn't his best season, but I don't hold that against him because he came out of high school as one of the top prospects in this draft and the flashes are absolutely there. And I think some of the shortcomings can be kind of, blamed on a lot of the context that was going on with this season so i think he's he's underrated as well one guy that i'm really interested to see where he goes is isaiah jackson from kentucky he's probably one of the more unpolished bigs in the draft but has an extremely high ceiling he is more of a high risk uh high reward pick i just think it makes a lot of sense especially where they have him slaughtered right now they have him slotted the knicks at 21 i think mitchell robinson's coming up on a contract year so if isaiah ends up panning out early uh they feel comfortable with letting mitch robinson walk instead of giving him probably close to a max uh which is where he'll, what he'll probably end up getting otherwise um, I feel like him him and Julius Randle would be a good combo down low. He does have the potential to be a really high impact uh, two-way player. Combo of rim running, a little bit of pick and pop here and there, um, elite shot blocking. He's extremely athletic for his size, so he can cover a lot of ground. Surprising amount of length, good shot blocker. I feel like he would just fit the Knicks well, especially a team that, that isn't really predicated on good defense. I feel like he would do a lot for that team. Talking about the New York Knicks, I know that they have the 19th pick and the 21st pick in the first round. And I feel like they're, for me... Um, there's two prospects that I really like for them. And I think they should take Jared Butler and Chris Duarte. So obviously Jared Butler played at Baylor with Davion Mitchell in that amazing backcourt. He's a great defender. He can shoot. He can get to the rim. He can score. Um, and then Chris Duarte is, is Canadian, played at Oregon. He'll be one of the older prospects. I think he's 23. But he's an excellent shooter, great defender as well. And I feel like they fit well into the Knicks system because if you're playing under Tom Thibodeau, you need to play defense or else you're not getting minutes. So I feel like those guys would be perfect for the Knicks. I like Duarte a lot. Uh, the one concern with him is just the fact that he's he's really old for for a prospect. He's uh, he's 24, which is the same age as Devin Booker. And Devin Booker's been in the league six years already. So that that's something that, that concerns me a little bit about his upside, but... He's a really high impact player already. So I like Duarte a lot. Butler, I'm not quite as high on. I think last year I, I was I had a lot of point guards near the top of my draft. And we we saw a lot of them just kind of get buried in teams' rotations this year because there's just so many good guards in the league now. It's it's hard to kind of break into that rotation. So I, I'm kind of a, a little bit more wary of point guards at this point. I think it's just harder to find a fit for for a young point guard in the modern league. Like last year, I was really high on like Tyrell Terry. He ended up getting selected by the Mavs and just basically didn't play because they had Luca and Brunson. Kyra Lewis was another guy I was really high on, and he was on the Pelicans and kind of got buried in their depth chart. And there's there's a whole bunch of other guys that just sort of like get lost in in the shuffle because there's so many great point guards in the league. And that's that's my concern with someone like Jared Butler. Unless you're like an elite point guard, it's just hard to break into rotation nowadays. But he's definitely a really good player. So I, I kind of agree that he, he'd be a good fit for the Knicks. If they can work him into their rotation, they don't really have great point guards at the moment. So that is one of the one teams where I could see a, a young point guard kind of flourishing. Yeah, I was going to kind of make that point because like the Knicks, they don't really have great guards, but 
Derrick Rose is a free agent. They could bring him back, obviously. But I feel like Butler's coming to make an, an instant impact, whether it's off the bench or starting behind a veteran. But, uh, yeah, I feel like those two guys are a little bit older. If the Knicks want to win now, then that's smart. But they could also pick, like, a, a Sharif Cooper or A.O. Dustin Moon or something like that. So Yeah, I like Cooper a lot more than Butler, personally. I think his upside is a lot more in- intriguing to me. But I, I do think Butler – is the better current player. I think he has a little bit of a higher floor, but Cooper's Cooper's uh, potential is really intriguing. So I like him a little bit more. Yeah, I, I like Sharif Cooper as well. He he provides a lot early. He's got drawbacks. Like he's not the most consistent shooter in the world. He needs to kind of work on his shot a little bit. He has genuine disinterest in playing defense from what I've seen. He really has no defensive tenacity. He doesn't really fight through screens. He's not really quick on switches. But what he, what he poses offensively, I feel like you can kind of, put aside some of the defensive liabilities at least for now he's an extremely elite passer especially for his size he he's able to find passing lanes in pretty much any tight scenario he has a great handle so he's able to break down his defender really well often just creates a little like drive and kick scenarios that he's been really uh potent in but again i like jared butler too i think he is a bit more league ready as of right now but sharif cooper give him a few years in the league to actually learn how to play defense much like a guy like trey young i feel like he could do a lot for a team yeah cooper kind of reminds me of De'Aaron fox just someone that's very quick, got a good handle, can play make pretty well, a uh, good passer. I don't think he's quite on the level as Fox was coming out of the league, I think, or coming out of college. I mean, I think Fox was just a little bit more developed than Cooper is currently, but he's not far behind. And I could see him kind of having a similar career trajectory to De'Aaron Fox. I guess with that, do we want to talk about any maybe sleepers in the late first round or do we maybe want to talk about the highlights of the second really quick? Why don't I just like ask a general question? Who do you think is the most underrated prospect in this draft? That's tough. That's very hard. <laughs> I, I'm looking at my list of seven that I have here. Oh, that's that's really hard. This is a little bit biased because he's Canadian. This is one example, but I really like Joshua Primo out of Alabama. I feel like his stock's been rising a lot lately. I feel like he could go 26 to the Nuggets. He's just a great defender. can make an impact off the bench. Maybe get some time to develop in the G League, but yeah, I like him as well. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that he didn't return to college because it wasn't his best season this year, but he projects to be a really good role player because his defense is just so good. So having a guy like that is, is definitely someone that can always work under your rotation. So I agree. He's kind of underrated. I'm also um, a huge fan of uh, Nashawn Highland out of VCU. Yeah, Bones. Not an excellent defender, but he's just an, a great scorer. Like he can come in and make an, an impact, I think, right away. He's been getting a lot more uh, first-round buzz. I really wanted the Raptors to take him a while ago because he was more of a second-round prospect couple months ago but uh yeah he would be great fit for them i'm a fan of Charles bassey out of western kentucky yeah i like bassey too yeah bones highland is i have him yeah just inside my my top 30 27 ish right now so i see him as as a first round pick his his potential is really intriguing just an incredible shooter he hit a bunch of shots from like just inside half court he's kind of got that dame range incredibly confident shooter so if he can continue to work on the rest of this game that's like having a skill set like that where you're already an elite shooter is definitely intriguing to me. Probably one of the biggest, I would say second round sleepers. And I mean, he is at the higher end for most people's second round is Josh Christopher out of uh, Arizona State. He poses a lot of threats for NBA defenders in my mind. Is a bit of a streaky shooter. I think he only shot 43% in uh, college, which I mean, isn't bad, but has got a great skill set, great size, 6'5", 215. He's very potent defensively. He doesn't have the best defensive efficiency stats, but he is very tenacious on the defensive end. He has that kind of hardworking drive that you'd want. 
Um, but he poses a lot of upside offensively. I mean, he's got a great ISO game, can slash the rim when he wants, has great athleticism. As I said, a bit of a streaky shooter, so you need to kind of iron that out. But he's got good mechanics. I feel like in the right system, he'd, uh, he'd do really well. A team like the Timberwolves, I feel like is very interesting. I feel like a combo of him and Ant would be very good, even though they do have D'Lo. I don't think he's quite big enough to play with three, but him off the bench, I feel it like would be a nice little uh, little energy boost for that roster. Yeah, no, I agree. Christopher is someone I'm a lot higher on than most people seem to be. I have him right inside my top 20, actually. So I, I like Josh Christopher a lot. I think he's a very underrated prospect. But uh, for me, the most underrated is, is someone that you guys might not have even heard of. ESPN currently has him ranked 81 on their board, so... <laughs> but for me this this is a guy that i have just outside of my my top 30 uh his name's ej anu he played division two basketball six foot 11 with a seven foot eight wingspan averaged four and a half blocks and shot 40 percent from three and he's he's quick he has good lateral quickness to me he's he's basically like garen jackson jr was but a little bit raw definitely needs to work on his iq and and just getting accustomed to playing at a higher level, obviously, because he played Div 2. But someone that can block shots and defend and has the versatility to guard on the perimeter and can shoot 40% from three on 130 attempts, too. Like, it's not like he was just shooting, like, one a game or something. Like, he, he shot a lot of threes. Great form. To me, like, a 3 and D big man with a seven foot eight wingspan that averaged over five blocks per game one season in college. Yeah, I'll take a guy like that uh, and work on him. Like, he's, he's definitely a raw prospect, but... He has two elite skills already in shot blocking, shooting, and the versatility on the perimeter is intriguing to me. Definitely needs to work on his footwork, but he's quick enough and he's got the length with a 7-8 wingspan. So to me, that's a super intriguing prospect that, that nobody seems to be talking about at all. I feel like one guy that's kind of flown a bit under the radar considering how well he played this year is Luca Garza. They have him slotted at 57 on the board that I'm looking at. I know he's not... He's not the most transitionable between college to the pros, um, his size, and he is a bit clunky defensively, but I feel like in the right system, if you implement, if you implement the right guys around him, I feel like he could find success. I just, I don't know where that would be. I don't know the ideal situation where he would thrive. I mean, really just putting shooters around him, guys who can really just cut to the, cut to the rim at the right time. I feel like emotion offense would fit his game really well, but his liabilities defensively, I understand it probably why he's sitting at 57. He's not the quickest guy. He can't really guard all positions, especially at center, which is really important now to be able to do in the pros. But I, I like his game. I feel like in the right system, I feel like he'd, he'd be a good fit. Yeah. I currently have him 58 on my board. So I kind of agree with all the the naysayers on him. I just, I don't see how his game translates to the NBA. Kind of, he fits that similar mold of, of college guys that were just dominant against other college players because they're just so strong and, and polished in the post. But then they come to the NBA and they're playing grown men and it just doesn't really translate. Uh, defensively, he's just, he's too much of a liability for me to really see the upside there. To compensate for his defense, he's just going to have to be elite offensively. And I think he's, he projects to be solid on that end, but I just don't really see – I don't see the the value of someone like Luka Garza in the modern NBA. Yeah, one more guy that I think should be a lot higher right now. I think he's like more second round, maybe early early second. But uh, Aaron Henry out of Michigan State, he's like a, a combo of a shooting guard and small forward. I think he projects as a, as a three and D player at the next level, but he's shown ability to be a good scorer at Michigan. He's also a pretty good passer. He's a great defender. So, yeah, I like him. Yeah, I like Aaron Henry a lot too, but – I, I think this this draft is so deep that I seem to be kind of agreeing with the general consensus on him. I think he's a second round prospect, and I think he's he's a very good one. Uh, this draft is just so so good that there's going to be a lot of guys that fall to the second round. I think I have him, yeah, I have him in the 40s on my board. So I like him. Like 
in a different draft class, he'd probably be in consideration as a first round pick, but this, this year is just so deep. So that's kind of why he's fallen in my opinion, but I like Henry a lot too. Yeah. Just one more guy as well from me, BJ, BJ Boston from uh, Kentucky. He didn't really do great for his stock, which is through how he played this year. I mean, it had some very, very bad shooting nights leading to 35.5 from the field, but in terms of his build, he's got a lot of potential. He's got a lot of length at the guard position, six, seven, one eighty-five. does need to improve and shooting the ball a little bit, but can be very versatile. I feel like you could put him multiple positions. You can kind of you can kind of implement him not only in the bench, but I feel like at times with the guys in the starting lineup, I feel like he'd be a good gel guy, but I don't know. I feel like the reason he's down here is because he hurt his stock by the way he played this year, but give him, give him a year or two in the pros, but some better training, put some, uh, put a little bit of pro weight on 10 to 15 pounds, something like that. I feel like he'd be uh, he'd be a good piece with a lot of franchises. Yeah. He's a, he's another intriguing prospect to me because I, I see, I see the upside with him. Like I could see him being, a steal in this draft if everything goes perfectly with his development i think he's a very very high upside prospect but he is another guy that's just a boomer bust because he's just not there yet and there's definitely risk taking someone like that i have him 41 on my board and like there's there's several guys above him that i think his upside is definitely above but i'm just a little bit worried about i have concerns with how he's going to adapt to the nba but he's someone that definitely intrigues me the potential there is is really interesting. Yeah, um, I guess is there is there anything else we want to maybe touch on before we move on? I guess just one more question. There's a, there's a lot of international prospects in this draft, so I'm just curious which guy you think is the best out of the group. That's that's hard. I I gotta go with Josh Giddy. Yeah, like you have that that six eight kind of guy, like a, a Lamelo kind of prospect. Oh, it's not as polished as Lamelo was, but um, I feel like he has so much potential just as a passer as as a playmaker, guy like Hughes. So he's not a great scorer, but I feel like he can come along. He's obviously one of the youngest players in the draft. So I like him a lot. Um, I would also say Josh Giddy, but for variation's sake, I'd also have to give a little bit of light to Alperin Singen uh, from Turkey. He's he's a very interesting prospect, really young, uh, definitely has lottery talent. No, he's, he's young. He's got a lot of upside. He played really well overseas. I feel like that's why his stock uh, rose a lot, but his Mold really fits really well with a lot of teams. They haven't slotted in for the Wizards, which I think is really interesting considering I think they do have a few young uh, big men on their roster already. He just needs, I don't know, he just needs to add a little bit of versatility. I feel like watching him play, I feel like he's just a very typical like back-to-basket big. But it would be kind of just a one to two years of development kind of round out his game. I feel like he'd do a lot. I don't think he really, you can really hold a flame to him compared to Josh Giddy. I feel like Josh Giddy has a way higher ceiling. But I think they're both great prospects nonetheless. Yeah, Sanjun to me, the, the concern is defense, really, because I just think he's, he's very slow, and he's he's about 6'9", so he, he kind of projects to be more of a center, but at that size, he might fit better at power forward. To me, the, the goal with someone like Sanjun is to, to be, get him to be passable on defense, and then with his offensive upside, I think you could end up with a DeMontis Sabonis kind of player where his IQ, his passing ability – He's, he's solid as a shooter, but not great. And he's one of the best post-scoring prospects we've seen in a long time. Obviously, post-scoring isn't as prominent nowadays, but you still see guys like Vucevic and Sabonis, as I mentioned. And I think he, he kind of fits in a similar mold to those kind of guys. Nurkic is another one. Valanciunas. I think you look at what Senjun has done overseas, like in Europe, and how he, how he compares to what those guys were doing when they were his age. And he's He's better than them across the board. So that that really intrigues me. I think his IQ and his his upside is, is really intriguing offensively. So if he can become passable on defense, 
which I think is possible because usually when you got that kind of IQ, it, it normally is going to translate defensively eventually. So I think he can become serviceable on defense while also being a, an offensive centerpiece similar to Sabonis, like a borderline all-star. So I actually like Sinjun a little bit more than Giddy simply because I just don't really know what to expect from Giddy. I think Giddy is really a one-of-a-kind prospect that we haven't really seen before. And I think he could end up proving me wrong, but I, I'm just a little bit worried about We've never really seen someone in his mold succeed in the past. I think the closest comparison I have to him is maybe like a Michael Carter Williams, which didn't really end up working out all that well. But I think they're different in enough ways that it's hard to really even make that comparison. I've heard LaMelo Ball kind of thrown around, but I don't know. I think they're just both big guards with good playmaking and passing skills, but otherwise there's a lot of difference in their games. So Giddy is a really interesting prospect, and I'm curious to see – how his NBA career goes because I don't think we've really seen anyone like him before. So he's, he's really hard to rank for me, but I also want to throw out Uzman Garuba because we haven't really mentioned him at all. And I think Garuba is a really, really underrated prospect in this draft as well. Basically the new Draymond green on defense, like just an undersized big that can guard pretty much every position, incredibly tenacious, very smart on that end. Good wingspan has good timing on his blocks, gets steals like, Defensively, I think he's one of the best prospects in the whole class. Offensively, he's very raw, though. Extremely raw on offense. So I think, yeah, Draymond Green type career projection is possible. The one skill that I do like on offense is his passing. So that's kind of similar to Draymond in that sense. So Garuba is another guy that I really like. But just this draft, is there's so many guys that I really like. So I could see him slipping. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if half the mocks that we see, much like uh, much like March Madness brackets, just get blown up within the first like 15, 20 picks, let alone get into the second round. But yeah, there's a lot of talent. I'm where if you had to pick one prospect that's projected in the second round right now to eclipse maybe the 25th, if not the 20th pick, who do you expect making a really big jump? I think he's more of a, a late first, but I feel like he should be up more as uh, Jaden Springer from Tennessee. They had a really talented team, so he. Didn't get as much shots and stuff like that, but he's also a great defender. Yeah, I think Springer is going to be a first-round pick probably, but I could see him slipping to the second round of this draft class. Just by looking at ESPN's list, I think the one that really stands out to me is Deuce McBride out of West Virginia, one of the better defenders at the guard position in the draft class. Underrated passer, can shoot the ball pretty well, especially in the mid-range, so I think his skill set translates well to the NBA. Again, a similar... Thing that I mentioned with Jared Butler I'm just a little bit concerned with point guards in general like because the league is just so oversaturated with good point guards it's hard to find a, a roster spot for a guy like that but Deuce ability defensively especially uh, is going to make him playable like right out of the gate I think he's one of the higher more NBA ready guards in the draft class so I, I like Deuce a lot okay I guess with that do we have anything we want to touch on or do you guys want to wrap up I think we can wrap it up all right. One more thing that I wanted to touch on is it's really quick. I just think there's going to be a potential for a lot of movement this year, especially in the first round. I feel mm-hmm. like a few teams think that there are a few pieces away from potentially competing, making the playoffs, competing for championship. So teams like the Warriors could try and trade out of their picks for more proven player. Um, I feel like the Knicks could move. The Lakers could try and use their first round pick. So there's obviously lots of movement in the second round every year, so it's hard to make mocks. But in the first, there could be more, especially this year, with the amount of talent that there is. Yeah, I could definitely see the Warriors maybe making a move considering how many good free agents there are this year too. The Warriors are a team who usually like to benefit or compliment younger talent with proven veterans. So 
I feel like the Warriors are a team that I could see maybe trading out. I think one of them that's really interesting, I don't really see them doing it again, but even Oklahoma City, like they love to stack picks. I feel like this would be the kind of pick that they managed to acquire themselves just off the season. I feel like this is the kind of pick that you could swap now for a legitimate superstar or someone on the come up if you package them with the right person. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a few really big trades within the top 10, if not top 15 picks. Yeah, OKC's picking 6 and 16, so I could definitely see them kind of packaging both of those picks to to potentially move up. Another team like Orlando also, they have the fifth pick and the eighth pick. I could see them potentially packaging those to to maybe move up. I could see like the Cavs trading down. So maybe the Magic would be like, maybe send the, the fifth and the eighth pick for the third pick, something like that. If, if the Magic are really in love with the idea of having, I, I guess they're probably not that interested in Mobley, but maybe they are. Uh, it's hard to say. So I could see, yeah, the Magic or the Thunder, both of them, both of them have two high picks in this draft i could see them maybe packaging those to move up um but yeah there's a lot of trade possibilities this year i think i think the thunder should try and leverage their picks to be in on on the ben simmons sweepstakes this is kind of more like trade stuff not draft stuff but i I think it'd be good would be would be great with sga and that young core so yeah I think yeah. it would be a really good fit. That with Ben Simmons, I think Nolan and I, you were talking about it, uh, we were talking about it a while ago, but they would I think honestly become one of the better defensive teams in the NBA if they were to get Ben Simmons. Eventually. Um, I think the, know, the upside I, there with yeah. SGA and Dort are already there, but someone like Pokushevsky is is really terrible defensively right now. But I think his upside defensively is really intriguing. And mm-hmm. just the thought of them having like sort of a a small ball, tall ball combo lineup where you could use Simmons and Poku and SGA and Darius Baisley and all these, all these guys that can kind of guard multiple positions that are, that are big for their position and then have them sort of be small ball guys together. You could maybe like play Simmons as a center in that kind of lineup because you'd have so much help defense with a seven footer and Pokushevsky and a six, nine Darius Baisley that can just hop out of the gym. So extra shot blocking potential there. Plus you'd have SGA and Dort as your backcourt, which, would be really good defensively. Like I, I, I agree. I think two to three years down the line, if they could get Simmons here and sort of develop them with that core, plus the fact that they're going to be adding more and more guys every year because they have just so many draft picks. Simmons. I think the Thunder, yeah, I think Simmons would be a really great fit for the the Thunder's current roster and the fact that he's still young and can develop with that core. Yeah, yeah the only no. thing is I don't know who the Sixers would want from that package. Yeah. I mean, Kemba Walker, though. They have Kemba, oh, right? Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Kemba in a first or something like that. I, I don't even know if they'd necessarily have to give up a first if they package Kemba into it. That just depends on how high the, the Sixers are on, on Simmons's trade value at this point. I, I would say also, I'm, while, while we're here talking a little bit of trade talk, do we see Damian Lillard moving or do, or do we think he's staying? Because I think it's a really polarizing point. Not many people have actually kind of I mocked. He's staying, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if he moves because nowadays you can, like, there's no loyalty, you know, nowadays. Players are just moving like crazy, so it wouldn't surprise me, really. I think it's going to be a James Harden situation where he plays a, f- a little bit for Portland to be in the season, and then he requests a trade, and then they find a way to move him to a team. It's kind of hard to make those those deals of that magnitude in, in the middle of the season, but I feel like Portland is going to try their best to keep him. He'll be unhappy and then finally admit that he wants to leave and potentially go to the, the Knicks or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I sent you that that uh, trade I made, Amy, like a couple days ago. Yeah. Just that sort of a uh, that four team mock was, trade that I put together. Mon- it was a monster trade. I will. Yeah, say. It, it, it would looking- probably never happen, but I, I honestly think it's like a good trade for all four teams. 
it, um, it does, do you want to, you can read it off. Yeah, now. sure. Why not? I have it right here. So uh, I, I basically started with the premise that the Pacers offered Malcolm Brogdon in a first round pick to the Sixers for Ben Simmons. So I basically worked that into the trade. So the Pacers are still sending Brogdon in a first as part of this trade and still getting Ben Simmons back. So in theory, they should be on board with that because they've already offered that in the past. So that was kind of where I started with it. And then from there, just got crazy. I threw in the Blazers and Celtics to, to create this four-team deal where the Sixers get CJ McCollum and Malcolm Brogdon. Pacers get Ben Simmons. The Celtics get Damian Lillard. And then the Blazers get three first-round picks, a second-round pick, Tyrese Maxey, Jalen Brown, Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Langford, and then Tristan Thompson and George Hill has kind of just added a bonus where they can kind of trade those guys off for second round picks or whatever. So they, they set themselves up with a great rebuild around Jalen Brown and a bunch of prospects there. Kind of a crazy trade. Probably never happened, but I, I think it works out pretty well for all four teams. Yeah, the first time the first time I saw that trade, I was like, this is this is insane. <laughs> I mean, that many moving parts and especially some players of that magnitude. I mean, I don't really see that kind of trade happening ever. But I to be honest, I feel like the the trade itself between if you were to narrow it down to two teams, I feel like Portland and the Sixers would be able to work something out. I feel like there would be some ability to get some mutual interest between the two i mean philly would be getting a franchise point guard and dame and then the Blazers would be getting an upside and simmons still i yeah i don't yeah. know i just i'd be interested to see what the package would be there though yeah i kind of based the premise around if damian willard requested a trade because obviously that that trade would never happen unless dame was like adamant that he wants out yeah. um but a sixers blazers just one for one like trade I think the Sixers would have to include Simmons. George Hill would be thrown in for salary reasons. Tyrese Maxey for sure, because he's a really high upside prospect. And then they'd probably have to throw in it like at least two or three first round picks to make that work. But yeah, uh, I could see that potentially happening. Yeah. Going back to your, your uh, mega trade that you mentioned, um, I feel like the, the Celtics would never trade Jalen Brown. And even if for Dame though, even I think you got to make that trade. Package, you take that in a heartbeat. Like Jalen Brown is the best player that they can get. I feel the Celtics are in love with Jalen Brown and he's, he's still pretty young, 20 point reading score and all-star. So yeah, he's a fantastic player. I agree hundred percent, but if you're getting Damian Lillard, I, I think you, I think you pull the trigger on that. If you're Boston. I mean, the combo of Lillard and Tatum just sounds unbelievably lethal. Like yeah. in and of itself, like regardless of whoever they have around them, like that just seems... Yeah, Marcus Smart and Al Horford around them. Yeah. <laughs> That's a start. Yeah, it's, it's something. It's You'd have to build uh, the rest of the team out. But with Dame and Tatum alone, you're going to be competitive for sure. Yeah. It's interesting because we know that Dame with another elite backcourt mate does, doesn't work because we, we've seen it for years with CJ. So kind of having that wing, that elite wing player, would definitely mm-hmm. be interesting to fit with, uh, with Dame and, and Tatum. I think Marcus Smart would be a great backcourt partner for Dame because Dame's defense is kind of the biggest liability in his game. I think Al Horford would be a really good fit there too as just a a leader, someone that defends well still to this day. I think he's kind of kind of gotten underrated because he the Sixers for some reason decided to sign him and and kind of waste him away in in the worst possible fit for him. And then he went to OKC where he was actually really productive for them, but then he was too good and OKC wanted to tank. So they they basically just waved him because they didn't want him. They were were winning too much when he was playing. So I think he's still a pretty solid player that that Boston now has in their rotation as well. So With Dame on the Celtics, obviously you're giving up some defense, but you're going to be one of the highest scoring teams in the league and have the opportunity to rival the Nets. For yeah, for sure. To go to the finals, but as a Raptors fan, I don't want to see the Celtics winning in any ways. 
So Agreed. I'd rather that trade now. <laughs> Nolan doesn't like the Raptors. So I mean, I I, I tolerate them. I that's, hate the Leafs, but the Raptors is fine. Yeah. Anyways, I think I think we've kind of covered it all. So yeah, we have. It's been a very expansive episode. I guess we'll, uh, as always, we thank you guys for listening along with us. This is our 13th episode. Be sure to tune in. I assume more so hypothetical stuff going forward, uh, post-draft coverage, of course. I want to thank Braden again for getting on our first, our first and hopefully not our last guest. It was a lot of fun chatting with you. Appreciate picking your brain a little bit on the draft. Is there anything that you want to throw in here and throw some socials in there? Anything that you're releasing soon? Oh uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me. I obviously write for Over the Line Sports as well, so you can find that on the website. I'm also an intern for Kawhi Leonard's Culture Jam Project. We have a single dropping uh, this Friday, July 23rd at 12. It's called Waves with Gun and Polo G. So stream that on all platforms. Uh, follow us at Culture Jam, and we got big things coming. So, Yeah, I saw that on your Instagram story. Do you want to like explain that a little bit more? Because I, I was honestly, I, I didn't even really was, understand what was it was floored. myself. I was floored. That's such a cool opportunity. Yeah, so I'm one of four interns working on the social media and creative side. I'm going to be doing more long-form content, but we're trying to build a brand. It's uh, Kawhi Leonard and, and Ishan Bolden, who's a music executive, started it. It's a platform to combine sports and music, and we're trying to build a brand and give people more opportunities to showcase their talents. So I'm super excited about it, and uh, yeah, we got lots coming, so stay tuned. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, and I guess with that, that'll wrap up the 13th episode. No one said in our last one, his two-part, what is it, your, your drop big board? Yeah, on? my big board. Yeah, so, so just, just a ranking of the top 30 prospects, in, in my opinion. That's going to be coming out soon. Yeah, I guess besides that, that'll be it. So again, thank you for listening. Make sure to check us out on Spotify, Anchor, wherever you listen to us. Subscribe to our podcast. Give us a like here and there. Throw in a comment if you want. Without further ado, have a good day and don't miss your layup.